Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monica Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for today's episode. Imagine you're at the edge of a freezing cold plunge pool. Would you dive right in or would you hesitate and maybe just dip your toe in the water? Our guest, Anand Verma, likes to dive right in. Anand is a visionary leader, award-winning digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, and investor. And he believes that if you want to win and to innovate in the digital age, you've got to dive right in and embrace change, no matter how scary and uncomfortable it may be. Anand is the co-founder of LeapX, a design and artificial intelligence startup dedicated to creating a carbon-neutral world. Previously, he was the founder and CEO of Brilliant Basics, an award-winning global digital innovation company that was acquired by Infosys. Anand also led Infosys's digital capabilities in EMEA and was a part of the Infosys leadership team. Prior to Brilliant Basics, Anand was one of the youngest CEOs at Interpublic Group, leading IPG Media Brands Ventures in EMEA. He also held leadership roles at Sapient, AKQA, and Modem Media. Anand has a track record of leading through disruptive change. In this episode, he shares what it means to be entrepreneurial, how to navigate uncertainty, why companies must be purpose-led, and how to build winning teams. He is a passionate advocate for diversity as a fuel for innovation and a champion for women in leadership. And that's why we are so proud to have him on the Beyond Barriers Advisory Board to guide us on our mission. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Anand. Hey, Anand, welcome. Thank you for joining the show. I'm so excited to have you. Thanks, Nikki. Thanks for having me as well. Great to see you. Likewise. Well, um, we have known each other for many, many years, and in some weird way, we've almost led a parallel lives on two different continents, right? And Yes. uh, it's it's been amazing to see you know all the things you've accomplished and uh, the impact you've created, but I want to start first with um, going back into your early stages of your career. You had a very successful corporate career. What led you to decide to go off on your own and become an entrepreneur? Yeah, it's a it's a good one actually, and uh, you know I, I I'm a I'm a mature entrepreneur, uh, not not an early stage entrepreneur. So it's uh, it's a lot of a uh, lot of things that kind of culminates to for you to kind of make that jump. Uh, so a little bit of backdrop about me. So I grew up in India. Um, I was born in Tata City, Jamshedpur, um, and when I was nineteen, I came to the UK to do my studies. I'm one of five siblings, youngest one, the black sheep in the in the family. My brother is the eldest one, so he did all the IIT and, you know, kind of uh, big, um, big kind of education, got through the whole kind of process. And, and he, was a, he was a big influence in, in my life. And he, I also felt that he gave me the foundation to do what I wanted to do, right? And I got very lucky to got a, get a scholarship to come to the UK. And 
and i also felt even like jumping from india you know not going through the whole track of being an engineer or a doctor and you know doing the first degree outside india is also very entrepreneurial right yes. so, <laughs> so that was my first <laughs> that was my first t- taste of um of being an entrepreneur and mm-hmm. and you know um just little kind of uh, you know kind of stories that that made me quite resilient um so uh, i grew up in a really modest um kind of family background and my parents didn't have money to send me to uk or us uh, for bachelor's degree um so my my dad um had a lot of land in his um in his village right so and at that point i needed a little bit of money even though i was on scholarship i needed a little bit of money to kind of come and like look after myself so he spent a month in the month uh, of november um uh, in his village to kind of get the land measured so that that can be used as a collateral for wow. only bank in india who was actually giving loans out in a different depository currency uh, oh. so it's pound sterling uh for us to for my parents to help me realize my dream to leave the country and do something that otherwise would not be done in the country mm-hmm. for bachelor's degree and everybody saying you know why are you sending your son to other country you know he'll he'll never come back and you know he will mm-hmm. not do this and not take care of that and and despite all those kind of headwinds my parents um and my especially my brother supported me to be kind of taking my first steps towards mm-hmm. uh being you know a risk taker um and i landed in this country uh and by the way i'm in london in the uk so i landed in this country and um and that was the kind of um given that had given me a lot of strength and resilience mm-hmm. that i can i can do stuff so that was my first taste um and throughout my university life um and post that i had to do many things uh, just like an indian would do uh in his early or her early kind of uh, days to kind of you know being quite enterprising to kind of you know support themselves or create uh you know different kind of uh mini ventures as i as i used to call them in university i used to have a a a laptop at very early on my uh, university days and um and i was running i was doing typing for essays uh handwritten essays into typed essays for some of my friends right and that was like 10 pounds 20 pounds here and then. um so 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 those are like you know like safe environment for being an entrepreneur right yeah. and and thereafter you know my kind of um, corporate career started and as you know nikki i kept uh working in corporate world until i became one of the youngest ceos for interpublic group uh and we met at sapien so you know i was a director at sapien in the uk um and you know at that point um i realized that you know this is my last chance or a couple of you know before second last chance i would say to do something that i believe in right and um and i have to say you know my wife uh, who i met at my university you know we've known each other for 25 years she was a big courage to say hey go and kind of follow your dream so that was that gave me a like little stamp saying okay now i feel that i can take a decision with the support of my life partner um uh, at that point i had uh, we had um, you know anushka um, and ruhan um, our kids anushka was only kind of 2 years old um and uh, and i had enough money in the bank to say okay we have a runway of around 6 months to 9 months that i can take a bit of a risk on right um and as everybody says um that those are the little kind of ingredient you need to say okay can you jump in 
And as Indians, as you know, we work really hard, right? So, you know, hard work is the is the way yeah. that's, that, that are inbuilt in us. So uh, a lot of hard work, a um, lot of support from my family, um, especially my wife, and, and a bit of luck uh, because one of the clients basically said, I'll give, you an, I'll give you an opportunity. I'll give you a chance, you know, and he threw a very, very small project towards me. And that project led me to create uh, something that the client was like, whoa, I didn't realize you can do this. Let's mm. work with you more, right? So, so given all of those things, I would say a lot of perseverance, a lot of support from the family and, and uh, a bit of a luck with a client that came in right. um, that just gave me enough confidence to kind of, you know, make that leap, I guess. That's an incredible story of uh, hustle and grit, right? Because, uh, and I can totally relate, we have very similar journeys in that, but um, I think the ability to find a way no matter what and never give up and keep going uh, is really the fundamental of entrepreneurship anyway. Um, Absolutely. Curious, um, you know, now looking back, because as you said, you're a mature entrepreneur, uh, you're a serial entrepreneur, you um, built and co-founded many companies. What are some of the most important lessons you've learned throughout your career journey that is, you know, that you see as the essence of success? Yeah, you know, and I think, you know, I'm still learning from very successful entrepreneurs like yourself as well. You know, I, I feel that, you know, one of the things that beats everything is that hard work. Mm-hmm. You've got to have the hard work built in there. And I've seen so many people who want to jump on the bandwagon of startups and entrepreneurship, but they they simply not are not respectfully so. That's simply not designed to be an entrepreneur, right? And you know, you I've read the stories about Brian. Stomach for it, right? And and it's got to have that. You know, I'm ready to give it all in, right? And mm-hmm. and I believe that you know I'm an all in or nothing kind of guy, right? And that's how my philosophy is, and and that works even at you know previous corporates. I've given my all in because I believed in what I did. So I think that one something that that I believe that. Uh, People like you and I and many other people have built in, given the the worlds that we've come in from. Um, and you know, I, I, I've read many interviews uh, of many successful people, and I feel that you know we we never kind of are satisfied, right, with our previous achievements. We always want to kind of push to the next one very quickly. And I think the reason we do that is because we don't want to go back to how it was for our previous generation or what we saw growing up, right? So that's kind of the two things that drives me a lot. The third thing I would say is it's not just about the idea, right? It's about the execution. And mm-hmm. I call it execution at speed, right? And and I really believe a lot of um, uh, entrepreneurs want it perfected before mm-hmm. you uh, you kind of uh, release to the market, but my belief is perfection is the biggest killer of any business, right? So, um, so when you kind of uh, have the ability to release and learn and kind of iterate quickly, I really believe in that kind of mindset of prototype, not PowerPoints, is a is a big kind of uh, learning. Um, and the third one is, you know, like there's a saying that if you want to go alone, uh, you know, you go faster. If you want to go far, you go together, right? And mm-hmm. I really believe that it's about the right team. Um, mm-hmm. And and when I say right team, I say it really carefully because it's very hard to find the right team. Yes. Uh, you know, uh, some of the businesses that I have been 
thankfully successful in. I was the main co-founder and uh, main founder, I should say. But some of the business, I was a co-founder as well. Successfully, I felt that having that right partner, right team is so important because mm-hmm. you might have the great idea, you might be executing, but if your minds are not meeting together, if you're not uh, connected together, if you're not you know, giving in what you're getting back together, I think that could be uh, fatal for mm-hmm. uh, for any business. So those are three things I would say uh, in terms of hard work, great, of course, um, you know, in terms of uh, releasing something to the market rapidly and, and and learning from that. And lastly, you know, you got to have the at least the first few few people, three or four people, mm-hmm. you got to get that right. Um, otherwise, I think there is some danger uh, later on in the process. Speaking of uh, talent and team, um, every leader kind of has their own you know, certain viewpoint, there's some very common traits of what we look for and hiring uh, and talent. Um, but every uh, founder and entrepreneur also tends to have their own version of that. What's yours? Um, mine is, I realized it very late in my career, right? You know, um, like Anand Verma wants to do everything and, you know, like wants to get involved in everything. I, I, I feel that, and I think this is, this comes with age, I think. I feel that I'm a, I'm a, I'm a starter. I am a builder, right? I'm not an operator. Mm-hmm. I realize after a long time that I'm not an operator. I mean, so I'll do it for earn a living, but I'm not. If I had all the conditions mm-hmm. given to me, I said I'm amazingly brilliant at building stuff and building stuff in the uh, arena where things are still unknown and mm-hmm. things are still kind of quite vague. I'm good at that kind of stuff. I'm also, uh, um, I think I'm really good at sparking fires in people's bellies, right? I think I can get a team going pretty quickly of diverse nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 lastly, I would say I'm a generalist of multiple kind of uh, areas like, you know, creativity mm-hmm. or design, for example. But then I did computer science and maths in my degree, so I know enough about technology uh, and then this whole concept of what I call is commercialization or monetization is how do you bring, you know, design and tech to create something that would otherwise not be possible. So our earlier conversation mm-hmm. about, you know, how do you kind of reimagine things, right? Wow. And uh, and I feel that uh, I've got enough to think laterally and enough to kind of get at least a version of that thinking out quickly to the market. Uh, but as soon as the company becomes 150, 200 people, 10 million, 20 million dollar revenue, I do need heavy duty support from somebody who is a who is a solid operator yeah. uh, who can work with a builder, basically. Yeah, and I think re- recognizing you know our own uh, sweet spot is actually what leads to success because it allows you to let go of the things that uh, may not be ideal. But exactly. like you said, it comes with age and maturity and <laughs> a lot of painful mistakes when you realize, I wish I'd known this sooner. <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. And that's why I can share some of these things at my age now to the, to, with my son, for example, who's 14. And I tell my son that, look, you know, don't work for anyone. Just if you've got a great idea or if you've got an idea, just give it a shot, right? You know, mm-hmm. uh, because having that confidence at the age of 14, 15, I wish I had that. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I almost feel that I've lost that kind of 20 years, yeah. uh, you know, uh, opportunity, right? Uh, but, you know, things happen for the right reasons. Yeah. Wh- where, what's your view of confidence? How do you think confidence is really built? 
Um, yeah, I think it's um, it's a really interesting point because I, I feel, you know, confidence and credibility go hand in hand together, right? Mm-hmm. So I'll give you an example. Um, I feel confident to share my experience with someone because I've gone through that experience, right? So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm confident sharing that. However, the 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 dilemma is that how do you start something when you haven't done something before, right? Mm-hmm. So if you look at some of the biggest companies who are very successful, Uber, Airbnb, and many others, if you look at the founder's story or, 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 or read it, you know, they hadn't had the experience of building that before. So they built something in terms of a completely new category and they're confident about it. So I kind of coined this term, um, uh, not coined this term, I use this term a lot, is fake it till you make it, right? So, you know, so how do you kind of show that confidence, but you should have enough grit and perseverance and have a can-do, will-do attitude to show that what you're imagining, you know, right. fake what you're faking it in your mind till you make it, they both run together. So there is some sort of innate confidence you need to even kind of say, hey, I want to do something amazing. Mm -hmm. And then you need to find out, figure it out in terms of enough confidence to work with a group of people to build what you're imagining, right? Um, So I think, you know, um, um, I think previous generation will say, okay, get it done first, get it done too many times before you confidently talk about it or show your credibility. I think the current generation, given the world is moving so fast, I think a bit of fake it till you make it mm-hmm. is really important with a bit of confidence, but a humble one. Uh, humility is a part of that confidence, uh, but ability to work really hard yeah. and really creatively and really in an agile way to create, uh, you know, to create that confidence. And by the way, uh, Nikki, you know, this is an iterative thing, right? So just like data builds up over a time, confidence in my view can build over a time. Mm-hmm. But if you get cocky and if you get arrogant, right? And that's a thin line between that. That's where I think some of the magic of confidence start to become tricky. Yeah. I think what you're describing sounds so much um, like innovation, right? I mean, the fundamentals of innovation, of having a perspective about uh, the future, something that is bigger than yourself, where purpose drives that certainty of purpose and what you're doing, but at the same time, taking agile and small steps and iterating yes. over and over again, that builds certainty and gives you evidence Absolutely. of success. And that's what creates that level of confidence. Absolutely. And also, I think the belief, I think what you also kind of, you know, as you're talking, I it, this word that comes in my mind, it's just kind of, you know, belief, right? If you mm-hmm. believe in something, right? And, and we have seen some amazing stuff, right? If, you know, um, the teams when they won, you know, sports matches, you know, the teams who deliver fantastic product overnight, for example, the vaccine that came out, you know, a few days yeah. ago, for example, that happened with the sheer belief that it can be done, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, the whole ideology of if you go to the, you know, aspire for the moonshot, you get to the treetop, it's fine. It's better than where you were before you mm-hmm. believed in it, right? And yeah. I think that, in my view, is is also a big part of just being confident about your beliefs. Yeah. And and when you have that belief, it also allows you to bet on yourself and take those risks. I mean, just like you did, you had a six month runway, but if you didn't believe in yourself or what you were doing, you, even with the six month runway, chances are you wouldn't step onto it. hundred percent. And I think that's the law. That's the biggest inertia that a lot of amazing entrepreneurs, male or female, uh, feel right. Or, or, 
or lack, right? That I can't do it. You know, there is a bit of a barrier, right? Oh, it's it's. You know, I'm happy kind of getting my monthly check, yeah. uh, you know, uh, from 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 my existing employers, and I believe that that's also doing injustice to the opportunities for them. But also imagine what what the world is missing, right? Yes. Because they might come up with things that really truly kind of you know. Uh, powerful for changing the world, right? Be it whatever problems that they wanted to fix. And I really believe that it always starts with that, you know, that belief, do I believe enough to give it a shot? Or do I not believe enough in myself to give it a shot, right? And mm-hmm. I think it's 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 a really important one. And I think, you know, you start to see some amazing entrepreneurs emerging, you know, from if the belief system start to work together for them. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. So speaking of belief and, and what's next, let's talk about what you are focused on right now and share with us um, what your current focus is and why it matters so much. So after nine years of running a company similar to similar to yours, you're doing you're doing that in North America. I was doing mm-hmm. that in 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 Europe, mainly in in the UK. Um, I sold the company in 2017 to Infosys, one of the largest Indian IT tech players, and and you know I did my three and a half years of you know integrating the company, creating immense value. I learned a lot, of course. Um, um, I realized, um, you know, six months ago that I I wanted to do something a uh, bit more purposeful, uh, and and then you know at least kind of try my best to kind of solve some of the bigger issues that world is facing, but without kind of you know learning new skills basically. So using my existing skills and network to kind of do so. Um, so uh, the new company is um, is focused on. Uh, you know, the creating positive change by bringing design and AI together. As you know, you know, design was my forte in my previous company. So our belief is that, you know, the, the world is facing a serious challenge with climate. Uh, decarbonization is top of everyone's agenda from Apple, Microsoft to Shell and BP. Uh, and technology has a huge role to play in for us to understand and visualize this problem, but also do all the right things to solve this problem mm-hmm. as well. So that's our one kind of big focus. Another big focus is how do you actually humanize AI so that mm-hmm. AI is not uh, just by data scientists for data scientists and actually can go in the hands of people who are actually doing their best every day in those organizations. So we are gonna focus on um, creating um, you know, net zero kind of outcome and outputs for uh, world's energy companies by combining design and AI together. It's very early stages of the company. You know, I only left my previous company six weeks ago. Uh, so we are kind of creating the brand proposition. We're creating the purpose. Uh, we're creating the type of company that we want to be because it's also for us, it's a blank canvas to create a company yes. uh, in a very different way. Um, and I feel that 
you know, we want to create one of the most inclusive and diverse teams in the world. Uh, world is our oyster right now. We can have talent from anywhere in the world through remote tools. Just like you know, just like just like we are, you and I are talking. Um, I think you know we want to be one of the uh, really an appealing company. It's a purpose-led company, but incredibly commercial as well. Uh, and the idea is to focus on the climate change and do our bit for our generation, but also for the next. That's incredible. I mean, talk about. Of focusing and leveraging your skills and experience and your network from the past, but applying it towards a really important um, mission that is frankly solving one of humanity's greatest challenges. Um, and, and that, you know, when you're on a mission that big, a lot of people opt in to support that. Um, and along those lines, I'm curious, how what has helped you get the support of sponsors and advocates? Because as we've both learned in our careers, you can't really get ahead or get ahead as fast without the support and advocacy. And a lot of um, people struggle with that. I don't know how to ask. I don't know who to ask. What has helped you? Yes, and, and that's the beauty of being a bit older entrepreneur than uh, starting when you're a 21-year-old, right? So um, so uh, I'm part of this fantastic uh, YPO uh, group. I'm part of a fantastic forum of uh, nine or 10 people who are dear friends of mine, and I share a lot of you know, initial ideas and thinking with that group on a monthly basis. And just to kind of even for them to kind of ask questions and and share their experiences has been a fantastic support. So I've been very lucky. Um, you know, I always share the ideas with my family and, you know, my wife and my 14-year-old and nine-year-old kids. Um, and I feel that, you know, some of the questions they ask allows me to create answers or give answers that everybody can understand, right? It just brings me to the ground saying that, you know, don't talk jargon, actually talk about something that you're doing that other people can understand. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, uh, a number of people uh, who have been my coaches or my um, ex-clients, for example, one of my ex-clients who is on the board of a very large energy company, he has kindly given me his time every other week just to say, hey, what are you trying to do? What is the problem you're trying to solve? You know, mm-hmm. and I think I'm so grateful that, you know, you know, it's almost like they are testing my proposition or proposition before it goes to the market, right? Mm-hmm. Um I think that has given a lot of confidence. And of course, everything else that's happening in this world, actually, Nikki, right? So with uh, Paris climate and, you know, mm-hmm. UN's uh, sustainable goals and ESG funding and investment from the banks and Biden getting elected and signing or re-signing the uh, Paris Agreement. I think there's so many things that are happening politically, geopolitically and and environmentally that just feels that this is the right thing for, for us to do and, and focus on. Well, I'm excited to see where you and your team take this because it's something we all need. Um, but I also love the unique and innovative approach you're bringing to that. Um, tell uh, tell us a little bit about your perspective of um, you know why diversity matters even more in the digital age and the age of AI and automation. Why does it matter? And you speak about building a, a you know truly diverse and inclusive company. What's your perspective on the importance of it? So first of all, it's a huge topic. And, and I, I, I've seen it you know, firsthand uh, at my previous company, both from a corporate lens as well as from a startup lens. And our startups are a little bit easier to kind of resolve some of the problems that, um, that lack of diversity or inclusivity can create. Um, 
I think, you know, first of all, I think what was my biggest driver was my family, right? You know, my I've got a daughter, a son, right? And it's very important that, you know, she should never feel that there was not uh, equality or there was no equality or there's no um, opportunity for someone like her. Um, and same for my son, right? So we treat them extremely equal. We we are We are, you know, doing our best to ensure that there is a confidence in her and him that actually allows them to create a future that I am envisaging for my new company. So that was, so it was personal first, first, first of all, second of all, um, you know, I learned a lot from brilliant basics creation from day one to where it kind of netted out. And what I realized was diversity and inclusivity is a strength, both on the, culture and value side, but also on the commercial side. It's uh, and a lot of people don't realize is realize it. And that that's why it becomes an issue, right? Because they don't realize the value. It's not kind of ingrained in the DNA or they're doing a, putting a lip service on their corporate brochure uh, to kind of um, raise this kind of uh, awareness. Uh, so my take on diversity is so first of all, diversity and inclusivity are two big topics and I'm still learning. So I'm not, a, not an expert, but I'm doing my best to, uh, ensure that this is core part of my new company because it's a clean slate to do things uh, in a way that I learned from my previous one. Uh, just like innovation iteration that you're talking about, right? So, um, so first thing you know is the the world is a melting pot of talent, as Satya uh, Nadella said. You know, talent is distributed equally, but opportunities are not. So, uh, so I feel that you know that because of COVID, in a positive uh, way. It has just created, world has become much more flatter, much more connected and much more, um, you know, full of opportunities and, and exciting kind of uh, areas of collaboration. So I feel that the, the, the diversity that's available, not just in London or Glasgow or Paris, I think the world has become a diverse world of amazing talent. And, and that's not just about color, race, and language. It's about talent distribution. It's about multidisciplinary teams. You know how our companies work. You need the mm -hmm. you need a data scientist to work with the user experience to work with a product manager, right? And that, in in my view, is an opportunity of a lifetime for the company that you know we're trying to build here. So diversity is exciting, but what's even more important in my mind is inclusivity, mm -hmm. because you can be most diverse, but you can't. You know, sometimes you're not as inclusive. So inclusivity comes as an agenda where, which allows us to start behaving the way we want uh, our kids to be uh, included in our family discussion, for example. You know, we look at not just the way we talk to each other, for example, biased and unbiased consci consciousness, for example. There's so many different areas. And I feel that, you know, my goal uh, for the new company is to build one of the most inclusive and diverse companies in the world. And I would like to be a case study that other people can learn from, which means that responsibility on me mm -hmm. is to ensure that we are reimagining the diversity and inclusivity as a commercial success, but also as a cultural success. Uh, so we're thinking about all aspects, right? What kind of policies we have in the company? Uh, what kind of remuneration plan we have in the company? Why, you know, pay uh, models, right? In terms of performance management, for example, Feedback model, you know, people who are introvert versus extrovert, right? How do you ensure that all of their feedback start to come into emotional well-being, which is a big issue that everybody's facing right now? How do you do safety checks on people 
on Zooms, right? So things like that is really something that we are recrafting, but with the help of user experience, AI, design, and data, right? Those things are all enablers in my view. The other thing that's really exciting because we are using AI for solving some of the climate problems, we're looking at how to bring ethics, privacy, trust, uh, you know, unbiased uh, um, uh, AI models, right? So that yeah, you can start to look at data in a very different way. And this is, by the way, one of the biggest issues AI has. It's very male-dominated, uh, the way AI is actually modeled today versus the way AI should be modeled in future. So which means that you've got to work at look at a really large data sets, right? Really large, diverse data sets. Yeah. And sometimes data is not available in that set because data is, you know, created, those models are created on the basis of where the work was done, be it London or Paris or whatever. And as the world is becoming flatter, the opportunity to see the data is is also mm-hmm. really exciting. Um, so, so, so I think, you know, it's quite, quite tightly connected in terms of the policies and frameworks with data and AI and design kind of for it to work mm-hmm. together. And for that reason, I feel that we have an opportunity not just to solve the climate problem, but also think about how do we design our own company mm. so that diversity is not even raised as a problem. Uh, inclusivity mm-hmm. is not even raised as a problem. It's just built in, in the way we are. And that's what, you know, that's what, in my view, is our challenge and opportunity is. We won't get everything right on day one, but we'll do our level best from day one to ensure that we don't screw up what we want to build in the company, which other companies are facing in a big way today, right? With mm-hmm. with everything that's going on in this world. Yeah. I, I hope everyone listening in is completely inspired by what you just laid out because the vision to want to craft something like this when there's really no mandate as such, right? It's not mandatory. There's no punitive damages for doing screwing up. There's no penalties for making mistakes. And yet you have the vision to not only take one major global challenge, but to take on two at the same time and really use it as an opportunity for crafting something that is barrier breaking and in truly benchmark setting. Um, that's powerful. And uh um, I love the detail at which you guys are solving it. So um, I'd love to, you know, uh, talk to you again in a couple of years uh, back on the show to see exactly what panned out and and some of the lessons learned that can be shared with other people as well. Um, but kudos to absolutely, you. absolutely. And you know what? I, look, you know, I'm not saying you know we're trying to solve every problem, but you know. I think we have to work with partners. We have to work with, you know, ecosystem of flair. And by the way, there are a lot of amazing people out there who are pushing the agenda yeah. and they bring a lot of different things together. But I, I really think that if a startup is starting a new company today, this has to be one of the first thing they need to start. Not, their, not just their product or idea, but this has to be. Even our first hire, just so you know, our partner is our head of people and diversity. Mm-hmm. Right. And and people say, why do you do that? I'm like, talent is the lifeblood of our company. It's a commercial decision as much as it's a cultural decision. Right. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people think diversity and inclusivity is anti-commercial, but this is the commercial thing you can do yes. to build your business. Right. So for that reason, I think there is a bit of a selfishness to get this right from day one as well. Absolutely. I love it. Well, it's also proven that companies that have uh, diversity um, have 6% higher margins and are able to create better, more lasting products. They are more successful in the marketplace and product inclusion is absolutely key to that along with the cultural diversity. So 
Um, when you look into you know the next decade, what are some of the biggest trends that uh, you believe are something that everybody should have their eye on and therefore align themselves and make themselves future ready for? Yeah, so I think you know this can be answered in uh, many ways. I think technology um, is, of course, is going to change. You know, it's changing everyone's lives. And in ten years, you know, I see a lot of the hard work that um, human humans do at the at the some of the lower level will will be taken over massively by AI and. Uh, in a way that that is not diluted, but that is a creative opportunity for for people generally. Uh, I feel that um, I feel that um, you know the role of technology, especially with quantum computing, is going to be really huge. You know, when you're not you know uh, just doing ones and zeros, and you can do multiple calculations, the speed, um, which mm-hmm. is just phenomenal opportunity. I also think that one of the big thing I I really um, I'm excited about this whole concept of humanizing technology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I really love this concept of you know how farmers and you know kind of people who are doing their best every day to kind of run their life, manage their life. How technology kind of comes into their hand and start to kind of help them become uh, really better in terms of their um, their learning, for example, or supporting their family, or you know, fair pricing or transparent pricing. I really think that that will be a day where humanizing the technology mm-hmm. for the right reason is going to be a lot of a uh, lot of good. And and lastly, I think um, you know, not technology, but I really feel that you know, uh, uh, entrepreneurial confidence we talked about earlier. I really feel that there will be an emergence of entrepreneurial confidence. Uh, that's never been seen before, which means that we'll see some amazing, um, you know, ideas coming to, yeah, you know, I really love this concept. You know, my son is, you know, he's a musician and I would love some, you know, him to to music and technology and business coming together, for example. So that, that kind of swim lens crossing each other, like a zigzag will be a really exciting thing to see because technology will become easy. You know, this whole concept of low code, no code kind of technologies, where technology is democratized so much so that, you know, a non-techie can build his or her business. Yeah, I think that'll be really good fun to kind of watch in my view. So what advice would you give to someone that is earlier in their career and is looking out to the next decade and saying, how do I prepare myself? What do I um, strengthen? What do I focus on? Yeah, it's a good one, actually. Um, You know, Pre-COVID, I, w- I would have given a different advice to some. If somebody would have asked me for my advice, but post-COVID, I would say the first thing that really actually has impacted my thinking is have a purpose, right? Have a purpose where it's not just about your shareholders or your venture capital investors. It's actually your stakeholders, right? So, you know, think about how your business or your idea helping the society, the community, the climate. Mm-hmm. And the shareholders, right? That to me is is one of the biggest kind of learnings that I've had, and and luckily I got there at the age of you know forty five. But I'm hoping that you know a lot of twenty five year olds can can also have this kind of core purpose in in what they build and what they create. Uh, the second thing is there's no replacement for hard work, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a uh, you know I I believe without hard work, and I see this every time. It's not a you know startups and entrepreneurship is not fashionable. I think it's it's actually without hard work. If you don't move, nothing moves, 
mm-hmm. right? And and that's you know in corporate you know you're part of a chain and the chain moves you because you're one of the simple component of the chain. But in a startup and you, as you know, Nikki, yeah, you know if you don't move, nothing moves, right? Uh, and the and the and the third thing I would say, be extremely agile, right? If something mm-hmm. doesn't work, don't give up, right? Go for the next kind of pivot or idea, as they, as they call in Silicon Valley. Uh, don't give up because mm-hmm. the worst thing you can do is not try and not try many things, right? So those are the three things I would say from my recent uh, Great advice. Um, I think one of the biggest myths of success is that uh, all it takes is a four-hour work week. <laughs> I think that's a great title to sell millions of books, but not really to make millions. <laughs> exactly. That's a good idea for that founder, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a great idea for that. But you know, I had someone once tell me that I, you know, I, I want to quit my job and be my own boss, uh, so I can have freedom and you know have a four-hour work week, and I was like, I'll see you on the other side. <laughs> Exactly. It doesn't exist. You know, it doesn't exist to your point. Yeah, I can be degree. Yeah. So uh, what do you wish you had found out earlier uh, in your life or your career? Um, now looking back. Um, you know, I wanted to be a cricketer. So clearly I've, I should have found out that I, I was never going to be a cricketer in India, <laughs> given there's so much competition. Uh, uh, no, I think, you know, jokes apart, you know, um, uh, I, I, the only thing I, I don't regret, I don't have a regret, but I always think about it. Could I have done this thing I did with Brilliant Basics 10 years earlier and or 20 years earlier? That's the only thing that bugs me a little bit. Um, but then, you know, um, coming from Indian family background, you know, whatever happens, happens for a, for a good reason, right? So I kind of, that kind of calms me down a little bit, but, but I would, you know, and I'm trying to kind of replay that with my kids, right? So that they don't, make the same not mistakes but same decisions that I did but at least I can share my experiences with them mm-hmm. uh, that's the only thing I wish I had done um, you followed your dreams sooner yeah sooner yeah yeah and um, and that that is one thing and the other thing I would say just a simple one is you know there's there's you know every day is a good day for doing something new yeah. in my view right so uh, yeah I love that. Well, that that's a great place for us to wrap up. Uh, thank you so much for sharing your experience, your wisdom, and your perspective with our viewers. Um, I'm excited about uh, what you're on to next and how much impact you'll create in the world. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you, Anand. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there. And we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.